welcome back to another episode of Always Foolish, a positive Doctor Who podcast. Obviously, you've got me, David, and you've also got my co-host... Tom, who is also here and maybe less obvious because he wasn't uh, speaking at the start, but... I'm here anyway. He's speaking at the start now. I mean, that that eight seconds must have been very scary for our six listeners. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if what's happened to Tom? It's like the thing about there's Poochie, been a coup when, when Poochie's not on screen. I want kids to be asking, "Where's Poochie?" Hmm. When Tom's not speaking, I want people to be asking, "Why is Tom not not where or how or maybe how?" Yeah. When Tom's on screen, I want people to be asking, "How is Tom?" I hope he's okay. Are you okay, Tom? Tom? <laughs> Sorry. Why'd you go silent? Because uh, I was putting... I wanted people to ask how I was, where I was, and oh, why I was. Oh, it's... You know, the things we do for attention. Yeah. Tom, uh, such you're as, a strong, you, you know, independent having woman a who don't need no... No podcast... I mean, yeah, we don't need we don't need this at all. Yeah, we don't need we're it. Just, you you could just sit in the corner. You could like stand in the corner, Blair witching, and just doing the podcast to yourself. If you don't mind me saying, I've never seen a man more suited to Blair witching than you. I think. Oh, thanks. This <laughs> is need... yeah. I'm, no, I'm happy with that. So... <laughs> Standing in a corner, looking at the wall. Yeah, not moving. Losing my religion. This is a the perfect segue, of course into our Doctor Who podcast. A quick note right at the start to say, uh, it's Christmas time, it's coming up, we'll probably have some little Christmas bits of content out. If you could mm-hmm. share this with any of your friends that like Doctor Who, maybe even some of the ones that don't, that would be really appreciated. We really want to get more listeners, we really enjoy making this, and if you enjoy listening to this, it would be massively appreciated. Uh, we're not like getting anything out of this, besides it's nice to make stuff that hopefully people enjoy. Please do share this if you think there is anyone out there who might like it. Do you know, or do you know somebody who like has a long commute um, where you know they they want to listen to something during their commute, but they haven't. Yeah, they could just they haven't discovered out any of. of the good podcasts yet. Anyone that really struggles, no, no to one's get yet to sleep. told them about like off menu or whatever. I like the idea, by the way, that you would say actually I really disagree with what David's saying. This podcast is terrible. Don't listen to it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important to sometimes have balanced views on here because we are sometimes yeah. going to disagree. Do they both like Stephen Moffat? Yes, they do. Whoa, that's crazy. But then we get to Chris Chibnall and David's like, I like Battle of Vanscore of Kolos. And Tom's like, I have a gun. And I'm like, okay, I don't like Battle of Vanscore <laughs> of Kolos. And that's more though. of a battle than their <laughs> is in the Battle of Vanscore of Kolos. <laughs> God, Tom, that might be the angriest I've ever heard you. <laughs> Genuinely. I think part of that is a product of the fact that I accidentally leaned forwards into the microphone far too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, before we actually get on to talking about the giggle, if you hadn't guessed, this is our giggle review episode, you'll know from the title. Uh, let's have a brief chat. How did you find this 60th anniversary season of Doctor Who? It's kind of like pop culture Christmas before Christmas. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I, I really liked this sort of like a tasting menu approach to Doctor Who, and particularly a tasting menu approach to Russell T Davies style Doctor Who. We've had we've had you know a classic Russell T Davies series opener with the Star Beast, fun silly run around in modern London where you get to see a few landmarks and there's a bit of light comedy, and then everything is resolved in the end, and they go off on their adventures. Then we had a sort of Unhinged. Dark experimental weird, weird space one with Wild Blue Yonder. We had basically the smallest possible celebrity historical you can get with the little Isaac Newton bit. 
Oh, the little Isaac Newton. He's like pocket size. Well, you said that you said they didn't actually share the screen at any point. Yeah, it um, might so, be. You know, he maybe might be it's a sort of forced perspective. Like thing. the master like in the, the fires of um, what's it called? Like the master in Planet of Fire. The fires, <laughs> He's like the fires tidy the in a lunchbox. The yeah. fires of Planet of Fire. It's very. That's one of those things where it's like really easy to see how you can cut it down, but you know when you're too yeah. close to the work, <laughs> you can't quite tell. That's why you yeah. need like a proofreader. Yeah, Peter Grimwade was just like, oh, I can't work out. I can't work out why this is overrunning. Maybe. But Peter, but Peter Happy Wade was like, "Yeah, I love this." <laughs> um, I don't know. They have a CBB show called Pocket Pocket Isaac Newton, which is like a kid yeah. whose imaginary friends a tiny Isaac Newton that lives in his pocket, and he's going to school and he wants to cheat on the physics test. And Isaac Newton's like, <laughs> "Repent, sinner." <laughs> and then he's, he's looking like, at all his Isaac, coins. Isaac, can you tell me how? Can you tell me how fast this coin will fall if I drop it? And Newton is like, the important thing is that alchemy is the search for the ultimate yeah. divine truth, <laughs> and from that we can deduce the nature of the Trinity. Pauses. If that coin is fake, I will have you put in prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I like the idea of it's, it's Isaac Newton, but he absolutely refuses to engage with the modern world. He's just Isaac Newton. So he's like the kids. I, I think like that we've genuinely got a brilliant idea for a yeah. TV show here. It could be called like my own personal Newton. Mavity High, <laughs> Mavity <laughs> Falls. Falls. Uh, yeah. Almost no. Um, anything that the kid says, where Isaac Newton's like, "Can we verily? Can we go out and get ice cream? Iced cream?" And the kid's like, "No." And the, Isaac was like, "I'm going to burn down your house." It's like everything. <laughs> it's response to everything is, "I'm going to burn down yeah. your house." <laughs> Listen, I'm not suggesting that we definitely need to just rock up to Media City. I'll be there in like three and a half hours or so. To help me bashing on the door like in like a zombie movie where the zombies are outside trying to get in. Yeah, and the, um, you know, the TV execs are like, oh god, now there's two of them. Oh, you're saying we like, we buy generated? Yeah. It's meant to be a myth. <laughs> I buy generated. <laughs> the height difference would be quite astonishing. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite as bad as that between a child and a pocket-sized Isaac Newton. It's incredible that this is an interlude before you basically saying, and then we got effectively a big-scale finale with a crazy Time Lordy twist at the end, which is basically what you were going to say. Yeah, what I was going to say is that then we basically got Russell's second attempt to do Last of the Time Lords. Yes, this is is true. But sort of now, now the Time Lords aren't, Actually, it's all got the same character. The master's there. Yeah, Doctor Jesus. The master, the master is there. It. It. Uh, I mean, the yeah, toy maker's it, there. It, like he is in Last the of the Time Lords. Involves you know a massive confrontation on a unit base high in the sky, where the yeah. doctor says to their blonde adversary, "Hey, we can just travel the universe together instead of doing all of the evil stuff." Wouldn't Excuse that be Excuse me, he was a brunette in Last of the Time Lords. That's true, actually, that is fair. Yeah, Tom, all right. come Okay, on. well, in, in which case, I take Canceled. back all of my comments. Yeah. This is completely different. <laughs> the fact that both of them have long song and dance numbers of early 2000s pop staples oh, is a complete it's great. And do you know what? Never, we'll have to get on to that later, because that never even, I never clicked yeah. with me that. Um, I have really enjoyed this 60th anniversary period, not just for the, the specials. Yeah. The specials were kind of nice, but it's felt like Doctor Who's relevant again. It's in the news. Friends who haven't watched it are talking about it. And what's nice is yeah. friends who are like, I really liked it i'd then be but what about these criticisms i have and they'll be like no i agree with that which is good because i was quite worried about friends coming back and being like it is perfect doctor who was dead for 10 years you know it's it's actually like we really hate like yeah irrelevant to how the quality of some of the moffat stuff but also some of the chibnall stuff like 
it's still Doctor Who. It's still as legitimately Doctor Who Absolutely, as yeah. anything else. And I think that attitude actually, people have that attitude, which is good because I was scared they wouldn't. Yeah, I think people are just like, oh, I just sort of drifted away from watching the show for yeah. a while. And now, and now they're back. Watching it again. And then from the external, the EU extended universe perspective, there's just been a lot going on. The, the novelizations have come out on Target. I am absolutely getting yeah. them in January. I am fascinated to see how they novelize um, the gig, the giggle, and Wild Blue Yonder. The giggle yeah. I can see, but I'm interested to see what they maybe clarify. Wild Blue Yonder, I have no idea how that's going to work as a novelization. I'm very excited yeah. for that. That actually reminds me of something that I uh, oh. wish to draw your attention to. Okay. Did you know, and uh, some of our listeners may very well know, uh, did you know that... Uh, episodes of our podcast are available to buy on Indian Amazon for zero rupees. N- n- no, but I did know. <laughs> well, now, I did know that it was do. on Amazon. I didn't know yeah. it was on Indian Amazon. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, we're not seeing any of those rupees. That's well, disgraceful. Any of those zero rupees. I Imagine know, if yeah, we're popping up. It's, if we, if it turns out we were popping up the Jeff Bezos corporate empire, I think it's fair to say we would pull the podcast. Yeah, or, you know, at least sort of just do it on Spotify instead. We, we, we are do also on Spotify. Spotify. If any of you are listening to this and want we to know are. whether you can we're on listen Apple Podcasts, to on Spotify, yes, you can. Spotify, Google Podcasts, yeah, uh, Amazon Music, In. Uh, and something Fair. I will just briefly interlude with the end of my point, which is that the comics have been doing stuff. Uh, like Dan Slott just released his one shot uh, with the Doctor and Temp Doctor and Martha. Titan comics can be really yeah. variable. It was really good. It was paced amazingly. If anyone has a chance to pick it up, uh, it's called Once Upon a Time Lord. And then, yeah, Big Finish have just released loads of cool stuff. Like their audio novel, uh, The Box of Terrors, continuously unveiled more villains as it went on. It was ostensibly just mm-hmm. Omega versus the Third and Fourth Doctor and two Sarah Janes. And straight up, oh, it's not a spoiler, within the first five minutes, the Master's there. Yeah. And <laughs> and the reveals just keep coming. Like, it's really brilliant so that and that felt like a proper anniversary adventure and do you know what else felt like a proper anniversary adventure tom is it a big finish thing david no it's the giggle oh right oh yeah yeah is, is it the giggle david it's the giggle and with that yeah it is the giggle <laughs> you've got that right <laughs> so with that i think we start in the giggle and as we do as is our want let's talk about the stuff that we really enjoyed from the giggle now i've been talking for ages tom so let me throw it back to you what is something you really enjoyed from the giggle? Okay, well, let, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start, um, usually, yeah. Which is that I think that the the initial hook of basically everyone in the world thinks that they're right and can't be convinced otherwise yes. is amazing. Is excellent. Really it's strong, isn't it? Wonderful return of and we're right Russell about being that. angry about things. Uh, yeah, we're <laughs> yes, right but yeah, it's, it's a wonderful return of. The angry Russell of, say, Turn Left and Years and Years and It's a Sin. Obviously very informed by what's been happening in the world over the last three years or so. Yeah. Uh, Trinity Wells as an anti-vaxxer in... was... Oh, Trinity Wells being back is so mm-hmm. such a good reference. I knew so, Trinity. I would... we, we knew Trinity Wells would be well, back. Are you aware... Okay, not to immediate sidelines into Big Finish, but there's a, a <laughs> Captain Jack audio called Driving Miss Wells, which is where... Trinity Wells is convinced that aliens have invaded her studio and everyone is like gaslighting her about it. And Jack yeah. goes undercover as her driver. And honestly, not to recommend a John Barrowman audio in the year of our Lord 2023, but it's, it is brilliant. Like it is, it is 
such an amazing examination of of gaslighting and and sort of undercutting powerful women the way in which um women in positions of power people try and take them down a peg it is it's fantastic and she is her name is, oh it's the shell carl she's also mm-hmm. the sheriff in big finish's ongoing uh dark shadows audio dramas and she's really really excellent in that she's just great she's a great actress and it's just it was so cool to see her okay continue with the everyone thinks they're right yeah that was basically my point it was yeah it's a it's a brilliant idea it's a very good uh comment on the state of the world at the moment it social it media really and definitely... politics and kind of entertainment the, the mass media really is where russ was saying this is all coming from yeah and this is all something that has been implanted in people through uh through television at first and through basically global interconnection and so what you're yeah, saying is a... take down the internet yeah basically yeah i've got my galvanic beam pointed at elon musk's starlink <laughs> oh yeah coming for you. i mean let's do it yeah well, to be honest yeah let's do it uh i totally agree i think what's really good about it is it's kind of it's almost it's like the opposite of the end of Orphan Fifty Five, where and I, I was actually I quite like the end of Orphan Fifty Five because it's talking to kids, but it's not subtle. Yeah. Whereas this is subtly woven mm. into the episode. It's it's one of those pieces of political commentary that fits within the world and works seamlessly. Um, I agree. Obviously, it's about mass media, but I do think it's a lot about social media um, because it takes the final push is the satellite going up. And connecting yeah. people really by phone in like remote parts of the world. Mm-hmm. That and so yeah. it's about how that that social media is the last kind of creeping little bit of cancer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed the the doctor's line about how basically he's the toy maker is bringing something to the fore that is already there in humans. Yes, this isn't entirely foreign to us. This isn't a completely outside influence. It's just. What it's doing is causing people to be their worst selves. Yes. And it's already there. And in, in particular, the bit that I thought was I uh, one of the say. strongest bits of the episode is uh, Kate. Kate. That's another one of my points, yeah. Yeah, when she she gets the... She takes the Z deck taken off. Yeah. And, and the Vlinks yeah. is like, no! Hmm. I'm Nicholas Briggs! It's interesting, that scene, not just because... I mean, it's more complicated than just a straightforward. Kate just suddenly starts turning evil. Yeah, she doesn't get a gun and be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill all of you." No, it's, what we it's see actually is lack of trust. One of, Kate's, right? one of Kate's best traits at a lot of in a lot of the rest of the show is her sort of scepticism. Not she's she not could be a private eye she's, in a different she's world. She's a classic sort of yeah. She she seems like she'd get along very closely with Scully from the X Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But then, what but then she knows aliens are... Oh, it Scully. I thought you were Mold. Which one's Mulder and which one's Scully? Scully's the one that isn't the believer. Oh, okay. Scully's I was going to say, because that would be really funny. Like, she's Scully's best friend, but she is like, no, aliens are are real. Like, I have, I have yes. multiple aliens on okay, staff. Scully knows that aliens are real as well, <laughs> at least by the time... <clears throat> by, from, like, series two onwards. The end of series I know, two onwards. So, Scully I knows. know, it's so funny where it's like, <laughs> Mulder, I, I, Scully, I think aliens are real. No, I don't think that's true. They're sitting in a f***ing spaceship. It's like, I just... It could just be the Russians. I'm not, I've not seen the X-Files, but I feel like that's a good... Which, 
You haven't, and thus it's absolutely hilarious that basically you've described the plot of a series four two-parter <laughs> in its entirety there, just with Mulder and Scully sort of the other way around. Oh, that's good. But anyway, yeah, I, I really love the way that, yeah, we see it tip from from this sort of scepticism into paranoia, <clears throat> and then from paranoia into full-blown conspiracy theories. Yeah, well, a conspiracy of redheads should definitely be the plural. Yeah. I really like the that. Conspiracy of Redhead sounds like it's the sort of the new YA novel of the Oh, uh, I was going to like Joanna Clark. What's that she's called? Uh, like, from the writer of Do- Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell comes. Hmm. Susanna Clark. Conspiracy yeah. of Redheads. Yeah. Well, it's in a world where redheads are banned, then, if it's a young adult dystopian novel. Redheaded children are taken to the tower. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what yeah. happens yeah. in There's the tower? There's a lot of capitalizations in. For me, the bit that's the most chilling is when she screams at Shirley Ann Bingham. Absolutely, I've seen yeah. you walk. I've seen you get a thing and thing. So Ruth Madeley, as shown in the episode, and it's also in her big finish characters, it's actually the same, which I like, I like, that she can walk a bit. I'm not sure actually to what extent Ruth yeah. Madeley can walk. The fact, what's really fascinating is obviously this is written well before premiere. And, you know, in yeah. the first episode of Star Beast, I think she like crosses and crosses her legs or whatever. And yeah, people exactly. are like, how could she move her legs? Obviously, people want to get angry. I mean, disgracefully. So want to get angry at the fact there's a, there's dares to be a wheelchair user in Doctor Who. I, I mean, I love Ruth Madeley anyway as an actress. She's brilliant. But yeah. the fact that Russell just must have known that he, she, Kate was saying stuff, awful stuff people were going to, he was going to see on the internet. Yeah. And it feels so prescient, particularly with the other stuff that the episode's doing. Absolutely, yeah. And so upsetting. And I love, obviously, Shirley Ann being willing, being hurt by it, but absolutely being willing to forgive Kate. Yeah. Straight up is, is wonderful. And when it comes to the Doctor, I think Kate does make a bit of a good point. Like, yeah, he is a two-hearted alien who just shows up. I appreciate they've got a lot of things to trust him at this point. But a brilliant audio is, drama you know, called Unit Dominion, which actually is free on Spotify. If you have Spotify uh, or Apple Music, you can listen to Unit Dominion. It's four-hour big finish box set, and it's it might about also be free on Audible on Audible.in potentially. Uh, it could be, but only if it's being pirated because it's on Audible.in, but it's like eighty pounds, uh, which is not the recommended retail price. To be clear. Uh, Ute Dominion is absolutely brilliant. I actually can't say anything about spoiling it, but ba- the basic premise is that a doctor they've not uh, heard of shows up, played mm-hmm. by Alex McQueen, before they then were like, right. he'd be a good master. And it's about how... It's about how Unit have a push and pull with the doctor, because it's in the sort of wilderness yeah. years period, early 2000s, where... Actually, the Doctor hasn't been around for a while, and can they trust this new one? Can they trust the Doctor? Should they have ever given the Doctor that much access? It's actually quite a good point. Like, There's always this sort of very strong sort of patrician element to the, the Pertwee Doctor, particularly, where he is... Mm. Um, I mean, he's such a look at old dinner old dinner clubs and MPs yeah. kind of dude. Yeah. Very sort yes. of, oh, don't, don't worry, I know best. Listen, Brigadier, I just simply think you shouldn't have shot all those lizards in the head. Well, Doctor, hmm. we had surplus bullets. Uh, those are two of my impressions that I like. And I think my John Pertwee is very strong. And my Brigadier is strong when I say bullets. And none of the other words. <laughs> Just once I wish we would meet an alien menace that wasn't immune to bullets. I could keep doing a John Pertwee impression. <laughs> I'm having to hold myself back. 
Because if Kate, if Kate yeah. went at John, if like, the third Doctor like that, he'd be like, "Be quiet, woman." He'd just do, he'd just do martial arts moves on. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Backflip, Kate. Uh, no, I bet Kate is also quite uh, sort of you know. Kate can fight. Oh, I'd be cool. And yeah. I think what would happen is he'd be like, "Listen, Joe. If only I'd made it to Metabolist Three, we'd have had one of those blue crystals, which can Deus Ex Machina's out of this." Hmm. It's like it's kind of what I think the ending of the episode's like. Not to skip ahead, but it'd be like if it was the third Doctor, he'd be like, "Ah, the Toy Maker. Don't worry, I have this: the gun that kills the Toy Maker. It's always been in the TARDIS, <laughs> and I've had it forever." Is this a, <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> is this a return, David? Is this a triumphant return for Doctor Gun? Doctor Gun is back, and this Doctor time, Gun is back. Doctor Gun never went away. At the end of away. the episode, it just flashes up. Doctor Gun. Doctor Gun will return with a gun. What we understand is that Doctor Gun never really went away because Doctor Gun was always kept alive, you know, by by fans and in books and audios mm-hmm. until Doctor yeah. Gun could be revived. Obviously, it was very controversial when they took away Doctor Gun's submachine gun and gave him a handgun. But in in in, in actually, ultimately, I think it's important to note that it's more subtle. Is I it, think it's about what he chooses to do with the yeah. gun rather than exactly what kind. Yeah, of gun exactly. Is. And so, so sometimes you know he's shooting out locks, and sometimes he's shooting at gravel locks. Uh, not the not yeah. the fish Gravelox, the planet Gravelox, which is next to Ravelox from which is Earth as we know. Yeah, so sometimes he does just shoot the ground in an incoherent rage, yeah. <laughs> loosing bullets into the ground until one of his companions comes Ev- and is like, "Doctor, what's wrong?" Like, "Oh God, I just hate this planet so much." Not the people on it; you're all fine, but the planet. Oh my God! Let's kill Hitler is a much shorter episode of Doctor Gun. Yeah. <laughs> and also begins in exactly the same way with the TARDIS getting shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's you've, like you've got a time machine. I've got a gun. <laughs> you've got a gun. Oh, you've got several guns actually. What, <laughs> what the got, hell? Oh, Let's kill Hitler. Oh, what are the round things? Bullet holes. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Doctor Gun. Well, my, we have to make an episode of Doctor Gun at some point. We will, yeah. And I will. I will do it as John Pertwee. You see, Joe, Joe, you need this. Gives Joe like a, like a massive guard. Just like, ah, oh, Doctor, I can't lift it. You need to do arm day, Joe. Which Doctor do you think would be least suitable for being Doctor Gun? Ooh, um, I don't think the first Doctor could lift a gun, but I think he would look good with a gun. He could, he could, I, I, and I think he would enjoy the power as well. Who do you have? Do you have any other picks? Because I think I can see Peter Davison with a gun. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, uh, Peter Davison with a gun is it, clearly, like, subconsciously, that's what that Doctor wants throughout his whole yeah. lifetime. <laughs> he should have snapped at the end and just just shot yeah. Shamaj Jack in the face. Hmm. Admittedly, my experience of Paul McGann is Guts. mostly, like, kind of the, mostly his early stuff and also Stranded, but, like, him with a gun in that, it would just... Yeah. Like, Paul McGann, Paul McGann, sorry... Paul, Paul McGunn <laughs> would not work because he would Pull just my gun. absentmindedly shoot things he wasn't supposed to, and yeah, he, you know, he no, he would. He would it. go like he would go full on like there's in Stranded there's an episode where the whole thing is the Doctor just wants to capture a mugger, and in Doctor yeah. Gun, hundreds are killed as he just <laughs> he just shoots wild because he does he does catch someone he just catches a different mugger because the Doctor's rubbish uh, and can't operate in modern day London. Yeah, I mean Dr. Gunn is a law unto himself. Yeah. As as should be. Hmm. Um I think that, you know, Sylvester McCoy is using like Rube Goldberg machines of guns. 
Like, he knows yeah. that by shooting this one man, I'm, I'm not saying that the seventh doctor start, or seventh, the seventh doctor gun, I should say, started World War One. but I'm just asking who shot Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> Gavrilo Princip, if you rearrange the letters and then add a few in and take a few out, it's spells Sylvester McCoy. Gabriel Princip, if you don't know how to spell and you're heavily dyslexic. <laughs> one more one more point on Dr. Gunn, which is that the sixth doctor is already Dr. Gunn, and now we can move on. Yeah, um, we can. To I... What were we talking about? About Kate's rant, just to end on that. I think it's really scary how Kate challenged Dr. Gunn. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, he has a gun, so you should go with whatever he says. Yeah, and that's that's why he has this position in the unit, and Kate is like, hang on a moment, why do we just let this wit who the gun just give us all our orders? Sorry, and, and I just, put, put, put the wristband said, back on it, her. Put the wristband back on her. <laughs> in case of emergency, break glass, and inside yeah. is a gun. And he breaks it. He pulls out one gun. He breaks the glass with the gun. He drops the the single use gun that he had, and then he gets the gun out from the wall. Then he just shoots the fire. There's a real fire. risk that this podcast is just going to become Doctor Gun at this point. A Doctor Gun fan cast. That's always every that's single never wise. Every single episode, we take an episode of Doctor Who and just explain how it would have gone down if it were Doctor Gun. Yeah, Most we added just gun. five minutes long. Uh, can I say? I know we also like to add in a swear. Obviously, that swear oh, yeah, yeah. comes in in Kate's rant. Yeah, redheads. Like, <laughs> just it'd be like to the doctor. There'd be a big beat of silence, and she'd just go, "Fuck you!" And the doctor's like, "Put, put the band back on. <laughs> Get it on." <laughs> Shall I give something I like then? Because we've done two of yes. my points, which is the toy maker's plan and the kind of Kate's rant. They all tie up. The toy maker, hey, he's amazing. Yeah, like it. Ju- I just think yeah, he's absolutely. one of the best, maybe one of the best modern who villains. Ge- genuinely, I-, I liked him that much. I think Neil Patrick yeah. Harris brings the perfect energy to him. He's sinister, absolutely. Yeah, he's disturbing, but he's also funny. Yeah, he's play. He's playful. He's got the kind of scary edge of like a serial killer, basically, of like someone that you know could snap at any second. Um, he's yeah. utterly callous in his regard for human beings and for the doctor. And I think his German accent is really funny because obviously oh, yeah, Russell absolutely. has gone on record to say, oh, Toymaker does German accent because he's a racist. He's not yeah. just an ephemeral evil. He's also on a very personal level, vindictive and horrible. Absolutely, yeah. But also this is happening... So th- this scene happens in 1925, right? Right. So in the London of 1925, the German, a German accent is one which has got lots of connotations. It's sinister. He's doing the sort of like the classic funny foreigner accent that was, you know, a big thing in uh, late 19th, early 20th century humour. And the German accent was often one of the, the sort of classic funny foreigner things you do. But also Germany is the sort of representative of this sort of feared enemy. He enjoys being unpleasant to people. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah. but that's why. So the reason I liked the German accent was because it's not like it's not just Neil Patrick Harris being like, "I'm gonna do a fun German accent." It's in the script that Banerjee is like, "Your accent slipped." Yeah, you, by the way, yeah. it's the toy maker is putting on a bad accent because yeah. because if you think about it, it does tie into play because the way in which bullies toy with people and bully people is is a dark version of play, and the toy maker is yeah, all absolutely. forms of play. The German accent, I found it 
like a really nice character beat for the toy maker, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's he's being play. He's clearly being playful here. With yes. It. And he's using it to cause people to take him less seriously as well. Mm. But with and, this constant undercurrent, as I say, because it's yeah. a German accent has it's a so terrible. undercurrent in 1920s Britain. So deliberately Britain. terrible. I mean... Yeah. And he deliberately lets it slip to Banerjee as well, just to throw him off a bit. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I think that the toy maker is as powerful as he should be. He's He's like... He's a scary, almost like imp-like. Uh, what's the phrase? Like, like the sort of Lord of Misrule. Yes, kind yeah, yeah, of definitely. thing. Uh, Mister Mixic Spitalik. I mean, he's more evil. He's more vindictive than Mixic Spitalik. But Mixic Spitalik is this weird fifth dimensional imp that comes to toy with the universe. Is basically unstoppable bar like particular catchouts. So very, very similar yeah. uh, character. And he reminded me a lot of that in a in a good way because the toy maker can have fun and then do something extremely sinister and evil, and it's just it's just really nice. That's such a powerful enemy, really. And yeah, absolutely. I, and also the other thing I really like about it, a powerful enemy, but one who is clearly bound by rules. Yes, like it's not just a sort of you know omnipotent god who just toys with the doctor for a while and inexplicably uh, lets him stay alive for long enough. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, lose. The Toymaker's Realm, yeah. I mean, there should have been more of it, I think, but it looked yeah. amazing. It was exactly how it should be. Really weird and trippy, distorted. Banerjee yeah. as the puppet is an amazing image. I it looked that, really good. Yeah. It looked brilliant. Yeah. Patrick Harris in the sky looked incredible. Yeah. Um, the Stooky, the Stooky Babbies and the Stooky Wife. Oh, Stooky Sue and the poor Stooky Babbies. is Stooky Sue. deeply upsetting and weird and looked yeah. good as well. It was creepy when they yeah. all descend from the ceiling. Like they don't need to descend yeah. from the ceiling on wires. It's not. It doesn't have to be okay. done like that. Donna can't see it, but it's no. It adds so much. The toy maker. The idea that the toy maker is playing a game with all of humanity, and also the idea that the, the, yeah. the thing of making everyone think they're right is perfect for for gameplay is so yeah, great. It is game logic. It's a zero sum. There can only be one winner, and everyone yeah, else is the loser. Which is how the toy maker views the, views reality. Yeah, I think so. I really like the little divided loyalties reference too, where the toy maker says yeah. that beneath his face is like a hmm. infinitude, which is yeah. almost a direct lift from the book Divided Loyalties. Um, I do wish they had not sort of explicitly been like all that other toy maker stuff isn't a thing. I think you they should leave it more more vague. Obviously, it's easy to headcanon it, but still, you know. It's, it's the anniversary, Russell. Leave it a bit more vague. I saw the, um, as you know, I met up with the secret third member I yesterday did. in Peterborough, and we spent a long time talking about how divided loyalties is still canon, and more importantly, how uh, the giggle did not interfere with the fan fiction either that they or I are writing. <laughs> I have some of that to read. It's good because Russell really needs to take into account fan fiction. Well, R- Russell is doing fan fiction. Exactly, exactly. Russell, it is. This is literally fan fiction. Almost, it's fan fiction of his own era. Yeah. Can I say one more thing I really liked about the toy maker? This might be my favourite piece of the episode, which or one of my favourite bits of the episode, which is sad because it was released before the episode. The monologue he does about the ball when the Doctor first goes into the shop. So the ball was the first game. A man picked up a rock. He killed the other man by throwing Mm -hmm. the rock. He said, this is Iron Ball. I like ball. And it was fun. And everyone loved the ball. And then the music turns more sinister 
I, I personally would have made made him go into the English accent here, but whatever. And then he says like, and then until the year five billion, where a man picks up the the final human picks up the skull of his enemies and says, "This is the final ball." With the toy maker, yeah. you get the feeling that might be true. That might literally yeah, be what happens. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's another one where it's like you know what you said about the TARDIS in Marble Beyond, how it could be like a mo- um, a whole civilization could form around it. This yeah. and it could be its own episode. This feels like it feels like a, it feels like a classic sci-fi episode. short story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It feels like something that Asimov would have done, or indeed, what's actually reminded me quite strongly of is two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey. Yes, I've not seen Odyssey, it, but I know what you mean with the the apes with the um, yeah, learning how the to start of the Barbie movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's off. what it was all based on. Honestly, toys. Whatever Tom was like, you all enjoyed the Barbie movie. That's, <laughs> that's, is that his fire? Is that his fire? Twenty twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> when the doctor's like using his screwdriver to put Stooky Bill in all the unit screens, it's just it's the Barbie movie. And he's like something yeah. entered this world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's the Barbie movie that got us, and it did. It got me. I even bought the soundtrack. Now we now, now we need to now we need to fire the uh, fire this weapon that we've got at it to destroy it. It's Oppenheimer. Obviously, we're getting the Toymakers Legions. I don't know. By I think they're more like the Toymakers compatriots. But that's going to be other yeah. godlike beings. Now, Russell, in the interview, I, when I listened to it, kind of implied, oh, we're definitely doing more godlike characters and bringing some back. Then I think, actually, he was saying, we are going to do more godlike characters, but they might not. But also, have a think about what classic villains could fit into the Toymakers Legions for fun. So I don't know if he is. I mean, I am... Pretty wholly convinced that Fenric is coming back. I am. I was going. To, is that the one who waits? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I, I think as well. Yeah. Uh, we, but the thing is, we've we keep saying, oh, it won't be narratively satisfying if X doesn't happen, and Russell has just ignored all those rules. So it's entirely possible the one who waits is someone new. That's but... not true. Yeah, but I think that I don't know. Fenric is very deliberately not name checked in this episode, when pretty much everyone else is. Like the gods I mean, of mentioned. Everyone uh, the guardians is get mentioned. The guardians yeah. get mentioned. Fe- the Eternals yeah, get Fenric mentioned. Isn't. Yeah, yeah. It's um, Fenric plays games. Fenric waits, and also I, this is a theory. I don't know if I've texted this to you, but let me. This is a little theory for you. So, Ace is a wolf of Fenric. I think that is because she's descended from the Vikings. But by by sort of din, anyone that is manipulated by Fenric is in some way one of his wolves. Yeah. Now, why does Mel leave on Ice World? In part, yeah, it's because Ace Just sort of... meets the Doctor there. Why is Ace on yeah. Ice World? Because Fenric put her there. Mel is a wolf of Fenric. Yeah, I'm. And Mel is back I'm, I'm, next yeah, series. I'm convinced by that. Yeah, Mel could well be a pawn in some grander yes. scheme going on here. And I love because she comes back out of nowhere. Yeah, and, yeah. I love that. Should we? I know we we could keep talking about the toy maker and these villains for ages but as we've mentioned mel can we can we talk about mel yeah absolutely yeah okay i love mel i don't think she's very good in the tv series uh and i love the yeah Seth i think Doctor. she's brought down somewhat by i don't know I, I think that the story she's in a better than people say but also when a lot of people would sort yeah of prosecute time and the rani in a court of law if they could quite uncharacterized though she she would admit that she says it yeah What's really important is that Bonnie Langford is immensely talented and in the big finishes, yeah. 
not to keep plugging Big Finish, but if you really, if you yeah, like I'm Mel, to a drinking game at some point. <laughs> you should, but you'll, well, Tom, it question is whether or not you want to be alive to do any more podcasts. <laughs> um, you didn't say what yeah, you were drinking, episodes. to be fair. Water. Um, no, so the thing I is... Know, if you I, drink too much water, then your cells explode and you die. That's how I want to go. The um, the thing with Mel is that in Big Finish, she's brilliant. She's really well characterised. She has a lot to do. There's quite a lot of... Um, the first 50 Big Finishes are free on Spotify. A lot of them have Mel in. Uh, Fires of Vulcan, you might have heard. and if you've heard that one. I haven't, but I've got it downloaded. It's Oh, really? Oh, good. It's so good. I've got quite a few downloaded for long journeys. Oh, nice. It's brilliant. And honestly, like... Mel's really good, and immediately in this, she is really good. We know Russell's always been like a bit of a fan of Mel, which is a bit, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice to give her that excellent material. And she mentioned Sabalom Glitz. Yeah, definitely. Sabalom Glitz got mentioned in the 60th anniversary <laughs> special. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Go on, what do you? What did you think when you saw Mel? So we knew she was going to be in it. Yeah. I mean, I was, to be fair, yeah, was... it wasn't just from the leaks. She's you can see her. Yeah, <laughs> in the background of the trailers. Yeah, no, I, I, I was, I was delighted when she was there. I, I also thought, yeah, she's being given some very good dramatic material. Um, there's, I mean, there's a feeling that she's sort of, yeah. Well, we know that she's coming back for future stuff, but also I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if she ends up in a spin-off with a spin-off, whether it's absolutely a spin-off or whether it's. The sort of the long sought after dream of a new Sarah Jane Adventures style Aww. show. I am entirely convinced there's going to be a unit spin off. I it's all but confirmed. Yeah, <clears throat> and... I mean they built a big set. They built a big set for it. Yeah, just uh, for this. Are they just going to constantly use the helipad? Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's going to all be set on the helipad and thing. I mean, if they do a unit spin off though, and I appreciate this is like a my wish list, Osgood has to show up. Yeah, yeah, she does have to be in it. You can't just not have Osgood. But yeah, anyway, back on the subject of Mel, though. Of Mel. Uh, of the Mel other thing I was going to say is the other thing I found uh, very enjoyable and also very funny about Mel is the, the line where um, where she's like, "Well, you know, you you know how I'm an orphan. You know about like huh. my family background and the doctor's like, yeah, yeah, I know about that." Um, huh. I was thinking nobody nobody knows that because they didn't, didn't... do backstories in that in that. Point. I didn't know that. Is that? I didn't even know if that. I guess she is, but <laughs> oh no! What it, I, I feel like what it's referencing is no, no yeah, 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 yeah. Story, it is. which it never is. happens because of the absolute mess that is Trial it, of a Time Lord. It absolutely, is referencing that. It's something she's spoken about a lot, yeah. and it is very funny. Like a metafictional context, she's like, yeah. you know, about you know, I'm an orphan, and I lost my arm in an accident, and it grew back, and then obviously, you know, yeah. my pet dog, Grobox. And it's, she can just honestly keep that backstory going. It looks like, oh, Growbox. I remember Growbox. Is he still married to, to, to Saucy Ken? Yeah. They actually let Mel do some computer programming. They yeah. let her do clever stuff. It's a deep pull for many reasons, but I do think because she's Bonnie Langford, she has the, it's possible that Mel could become as beloved a companion as or similar levels to Sarah Jane. I think genuinely, I think Bonnie Langford has that knowledge with like older yeah, in people in the country way, because not very many people will remember mel from yes. the classic era because but they know bonnie langford at that point people know yeah. bonnie langford which is where people which will ingratiate her like i said it's my mum oh bonnie langford she's yeah. like oh i love bonnie langford it's like yeah she's so good 
and Doctor Who did not do her justice, and now no, it's going no. to, and it's amazing. Yeah. And that, that and that exciting. made it feel so much like an anniversary. And with that, I really think we have to mention the fact that this episode genuinely felt like an anniversary special, more so than the other two. Well, I tell you what, actually. Oh, really? It did, but not this one. I think what it felt like was an excellent episode for the centenary of the BBC, because <laughs> it's all about television and about a villain yes. coming back from the black and white era and all of that. And, yeah. That's very fair. But remember, to be fair, in, yeah, in many regards, you could swap uh, power and this, and power is, feels more like a celebration of Doctor Who. And that is why I wasn't that fussed when there weren't other Doctors in this, because I'm like, we've just had Power yeah. the Doctor. Yeah, power the exactly, Doctor yeah. will definitely cover Power the Doctor, but I think we both agree it's ab- it's great fun. Yeah, we don't want we don't want another Power of the Doctors. No, you're it, right. It was, it was a very sort of sugary episode, and you can't eat it too is. much sugar because it's bad for yes, you. Yes, but it, what I feel like is you're right. There's sort of two sides of the same coin, right? Uh, and then this coin has three sides because another way of approaching an anniversary mm-hmm. special yeah, is Day so of the right. Doctor. Yes, well, I, I mean, I'd say that Day of the Doctor is the sort of the perfect synthesis of these two adventures. That is a sort of quite sort of not dri- is driven by the program's history, but it's also telling this sort of like epochal story in its yeah. own right and it's about looking to the future and then you have a particular like a chunk of bombast you have a chunk of time where all the doctors show up but it's not it's not constant yeah. throughout the episode but i i really like the references the first doctor showing up and the original toy maker showing up is amazing i like that so excited colorized as well lovely colorized and i'm not gonna lie could they not have just colorized the existing episodes of that's your toy maker instead of making this <laughs> Daleks level animated 3D. It looks okay, not to yeah. be like we, we're always first with Positive Who podcast. I will probably watch it, um, but I I'll buy it when it's on sale. But I don't think the animation style for the Celestia Toy Maker uh remake looks very good, to put it lightly. Yeah. Why? Why would they do this? I, can you, I don't can have, you an have any idea? <laughs> Disney were like, it's got to be 3D. To be fair, I, okay, let's make a token stab at defending this thing that I haven't seen um, the whole of and haven't really got a tremendously positive impression of from <laughs> the couple of pictures I've seen. All of this is supposed to be taking place in a weird sort of alternate dimension. Oh, what, you think they might be able to play on the fact that it's... It's it all looks weird. Kind it's like of a bit uncanny. Yeah, yeah. I'd be, I mean, honestly, if that works, that worked. It, it reminds me too much of the of like that original Dire Straits music video. Okay, you take that back. You a... say nothing bad about Dire Straits <laughs> under the under this roof. You've like, seen the music video. Right? It's it's not it's yeah. no it's no Frozen, is it? It's not it's not lovingly. It's ad- unfair to criticize Dire Straits for not producing Frozen. It's also incredible and to me that I, 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 think, I think that the album Love Over Gold is far better than Frozen. Yeah, I was going to say, out of all the things I could pluck, that was the most beautiful animated thing, which is Frozen. Uh, but the other two references I think we need to talk about are The Master's Gold Tooth and oh my goodness, The I've Puppets. Heard so much about this tooth. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the, okay, the, the secret third member. Really likes the master. It's fair to say. Yeah, 
And uh, I, yeah. as soon to, as... To overstate this. And so when the toy maker was like, uh, the master begged for his life and I did a game and I trapped him in the tooth for all eternity, I immediately thought of Secret Third Member and was like, uh-oh. Yeah. I think it's yeah. very funny. It's nice that the master gets referenced and the bit yeah. where the tooth gets left behind and a hand seemingly from someone holding onto the edge of the helipag. So I have no idea where that yeah. woman is. The angle, yeah. Picks it up. Okay. <laughs> okay, cards on the table. This time it's the Rani. I know how this sounds. No. But this time I am sure it's the Rani. It's no one. I know, I no know one. what you're going to say. I'm going to say it's no one. What, nobody, no one? Oh, don't even if nobody, no one. I don't think it's relevant. I, I think it's a meta joke. I, I genuinely don't think it's in, within the realms of the show. But go on, Tom. The Rani. Well, look. <laughs> I know how this sounds. Yes, but well, you me saying Frobisher would be wildly okay, so yonder. The, I know how this sounds. At the end of Last of the Time Lords, right? At the end of Last of the Time Lords, there's that shot of the the hand the picking hands. up the ring from the fire, and Russell referred to it, um, tongue in cheek, as the hand of the Rani. I think he he definitely does in in the writer's tale and emails to Benjamin Cook. I think he that's funny. Did in like other things as well. Called it the hand of the Rani, and I think. Everyone involved was like, yeah. Oh, can I just sure, say, sure it is, Rani sure episode it is. where the Rani creates like a temporal device like Omegas and calls it the hand of the Rani. Oh, yeah. so <laughs> That'd cool. Be That'd be so good. It'd yeah. be so the Rani. Anyway, continue. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the the way that it was referred to as and obviously got a lot of theories at the time of, oh, it's the Rani and Russell lent into it with this, this oh, it's the hand of the Rani joke. I know how, I know how this man's brain okay. works. I know how this man likes screwing with fans. I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he would think it's funny to do the same thing again, and this time it actually is the Rani. I know he would. But a question Stephen Moffat once said, why would I ever bring back the Rani? I do think that shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what the Rani is, which is that Rani being an amoral scientist does give you interesting stuff to play with, because the Rani isn't necessarily evil. Uh, But that being said... Why would he bring back the Rani? <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry. I when just, when I, you could, you mean when you could just invent a new character that is, you know, no, no, no. Scientist. When you just, when you just, just could not do that. I, I, I just, mean, why I would just, bring, why would he bring back the toy maker, David, from nineteen sixty six? Because because Russell lost the game with the toy maker. Because Russell lost the play. He had to. Russell was playing. Yeah. Russell was playing frustration with the toy maker. And his punishment was that he had to be showrunner of Doctor Who again and bring it back. <laughs> I mean, my thinking with the Rani is that the reason why you'd bring back the Rani rather than having a new character who is an evil, evil or amoral scientist is that specifically this is one that has got a lot of history with the Doctor. That's yeah, the thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes the Rani interesting. So I understand why you bring back why you bring back these characters. Um, I just, I, I, I don't want to, I've been burnt before, Tom. Yeah. Remember oh, yeah, how, how Missy was, Missy was called Rani in the script, right? It was, or. Yeah, in the one that they circulated to everyone. Yeah. Missy said, I am the Rani. I am the Rani. I don't know if she says it as like, is that the reveal yeah. or is it just the anagram that she gives for herself is Rani? Yeah, maybe. Either way, you know, they all, they all know. <laughs> I, but my, like... my name is Iran. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that. Um, she, he could have gone with Arnie, and, and then the casting was Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger as the master. <laughs> oh no! Now I've said it out loud. I want it. <laughs> Buff master. It's like ah, master. I finally got it. 
just one punch. One yeah. punch regenerates the Doctor. The Arnold Schwarzenegger I mean, Master the, the perfect punch enemy for Doctor Gun. Doctor <gasps> The Gun. Doctor Gun no. versus the One Punch Master. <laughs> versus One Punch Master. Arnie yeah. could punch Shooty Gatois out of real David Tennant. I mean, if Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> punched David Tennant hard enough, Shooty Gatois would emerge in real life. It's. What a man. Anyway. Obviously, you've got Unit there that makes it anniversary. The one other thing I really want to talk about, though, is the puppets. The the puppets of yeah. Amy, the puppets of uh, yeah, Clara, and Amy the puppet and of Bill. Bill. It's amazing to see them. I absolutely adored that scene. They're, they're lovely, lovely puppets where they look really cool. It's very toy maker. He's really going yeah. for the Doctor. It's nice to see Bill. I think Bill is at threat of becoming like one of the forgotten companions. Overlooked, yeah. And that's sad because I think she might Absolutely. be the best companion. Mm-hmm. Uh, series and so, series, yeah, close to a perfect series. It's it's really cool to hear these things get referenced. It's nice because it's not, yeah. and the flux as well. Because again, it's not Russell's work. Yeah. Russell doesn't yeah. mention Rose, doesn't mention Martha. Whereas Toymaker could obviously be like Rose got trapped in a different universe, uh, and Martha yeah. Martha's heart was broken by you. Um, yeah. But Russell chooses, I think, to really focus in on on stuff that he didn't right. make to acknowledge exactly to accept yeah. to acknowledge that. Yeah, I, I really liked that. Yeah, it is nice to see that. Yeah, it, it is clearly still a part of the show. We're not pretending mm. like there's been yeah. a thirteen year interregnum. And Shooty continues that as well later, where Shooty lists references, all these, all references, these references, a bunch of random things, which just is to prove that he's still objectively a real fan. prove that he's the Doctor and a real fan, yeah, and prove that the Doctor still got all their memories and stuff, which for me did a yeah. lot for me. Mm-hmm. I adored how the Toymaker's like Clara was killed by Ein Bert. Is a bit confused, yeah. and it's just. When a doctor like tries to justify it, like she survives in her last second of life, and he's like, "That's all right then." Well, it's, that's all right then. It's such a good clawing at yeah. the doctor's. You know, the only one that really justifiably lives is is Amy Pond, who straight up does get to live like a full yeah. life. But ultimately, it's yeah. still a bit, it's still dark and wrong. And Russell does an amazing job of very briefly capturing all of that, and I, I just. It's just great yeah. to see it. It looked really good as well. Like the puppets looked really good. They were practical. They, they looked great. great. I love how they're all wear- they're all wearing the exact outfits of when the they die characters in their final episode when yes. they die. Well, and also, I love that yes. Russell gets that Bill, as far as the Doctor's concerned, Bill is only alive in testimony. He doesn't, yeah, know he doesn't know that about Bill has been resurrected, which is brilliant. That Russell, because that's such an easy thing to get wrong, and it's the sort of thing people get wrong all the time where they misinterpret. Something else, like like Chibnall saying that Gallifrey's still in its pocket universe, is not what hap- is not where it is. But he's misinterpreted no. Hellbent and Day of the Doctor. This is the opposite of that. Yeah, this is Russell absolutely gets it. And also, obviously, and we've been, th- I'm sure we've both been thinking about this. What if he did other companions? What if he was like, yeah, and and then there was Ryan Sinclair. He had limited personality, but he did hug his dad that one time. <laughs> Oh, Ryan Sinclair, and he came along, and he learned to play basketball. But then he rode a bike off a cliff, and the doctor's like, "He he was cured of his dyspraxia." And he goes, "That's all right oh, then. That's all right then. <laughs> that's all right then." Um, <laughs> well, obviously, and, you can't co- be- and of course, who can forget poor Dan Lewis? 
he travelled with you for some time, and then you returned him, and his entire house was destroyed, and he <laughs> had to sleep on destroyed. his parents' sofa. <laughs> well, but but now but now he's dating Di, presumably, and yeah. maybe he gets to work at the museum. Well, that's all right then. He briefly had a dog friend. Oh well, that's all right then. <laughs> to be fair, that and is all right. Carvinister is the best boy. He is the best boy, and who could forget Graham? Oh, Graham had cancer, but then he got over cancer. But then you didn't. But then you weren't able to treat that subject with correct emphasis. He was. Uh, he was, was cured. So, like I was still quite socially awkward. I was quite socially awkward. Well, that's all oh, right that's then. All right then. And then he left the TARDIS emotionally shattered. He got a job on primetime television. Well, that's all right then. <laughs> no, but nobody, nobody is because he's very successful. <laughs> Have you seen the chase? I've not actually seen the chase ever. No, I mean the toy maker. Um, <laughs> I genuinely thought you were asking me. Have you seen how well he's doing? Have you seen Tipping Point? And Adric stored away on the TARDIS, but then he was killed by the Cybermen. Nobody liked Adric. Well, that's a, well, oh, that's, well, well, that's, that's all right then. <laughs> um, he wiped out the dinosaurs of his last moment of life. <laughs> and then Tomic is like, you're right, I hate, I hate the dinosaurs. <laughs> There's so they many bad game do. players. Yeah. Um, and, and to be fair, I think every single one of them has now been done on the internet. I've seen so many well that sort of uh, I haven't actually, I've deliberately avoided them so that I can't. Yeah. Also, poor Rory. Poor, poor old Rory. <laughs> yeah, not Rory doesn't get mentioned. Well, then there was Rory. See, previous. There was Rory. He died. Ah, but he was returned. But then he died again. He died. Ah, but he came back. Ah, but then he died again. <laughs> yeah, and they just keep going back no, and forth. I like the justification for the Doctor would be like, and Rory was killed by the Silurians, but he was erased from time, so it never happened. That's all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was Chris Chibnall. He said he wanted to be show enough for three, for three years, but he was lying. Some of his run is heavily acclaimed. Oh, that's all right then. That's all right then. <laughs> the doctor. <laughs> but I'm about to reference. The doctor's just like, well, no, that is all right then. No, it's all right. He's gone. Ultimately, I think we can both agree that this episode was good, but would have improved. Would have been improved if it By, if he just did everyone. Been a puppet show with David Tennant and Neil Patrick Harris arguing obscure points of continuity and episode. Honestly, with this, I'm going to have to cut this sequence down by quite a lot. But we could just oh, keep yeah. going. It was really good. And really quite scary. Now listen, I know we've been going for ages, but I still have more stuff I like. Can I very quickly okay, touch quickly. on those? The Spice Up Your Life sequence is incredible. Yeah, it makes Spice Up Your Life actually scary and the, and shows the toy maker as this Lord of Misrule character where he's teleporting around. And yeah. the way he dance fights Kate and Mel shows, again, we were talking about his like kind of his prejudice and his like, he's just, his, he likes to be unpleasant that's like a physical manifestation of that. He, he shoves Kate into a wall, he spins yeah. Mel till she falls over. He's just being physically unpleasant because he can be. I, was, I thought you were going to be talking for a lot longer, so I'm eating a sweet. No, I'm going quicker. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I really loved it. It's hilarious that we get Rasputin and Spice of Your Life in such quick <laughs> succession after one another. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. It was choreographed very well. It was done very well. I mean, my only slight issue with it is it's it's sort of presented as if this whole thing was a distraction so that he could get to the get to the big gun, <laughs> uh, when it clearly was not that. No, no, it was just because he, he wants to do go. it. He just wants to do yeah. it, though. 
And that's mm. what I like. He maybe he wanted to turn, turn those two men into balls. Maybe that was actually a big yeah. part of the Toymaker's plan was those two men. Those two men are really, maybe, really yeah. good at backgammon. <laughs> and he needed to remove them. Unit keeps on hand the world chess champion at all times. <laughs> the, what? Oh, what? You mean the Vlinks? The Vlinks, the world yeah, chess the champion. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the Vlinks was there. The one effect in the episode didn't look good was the face in the ball. Hmm. The face in the ball that screams at Shirley yeah. <laughs> looked like the I video like game the, for I like, I like the kitschiness of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I did as well. Now, obviously, another thing that we like that we should talk about, but I think we need to talk about the ending and then we talk about how much shooty is great. Unless, so do you have any more little points? Uh, the little conversation that Donna has with the doctor uh, as they arrive in the 1920s about how he's not slowing down or talking about his past. Yes. I liked it. I, I wish that a little bit more along these lines had been done in Star Beast and Wild Blue Yonder because it does feel like a little bit like this kind of came out of the blue a little bit. I think it's in Star Beast. It is there's, a bit. There's definitely elements in Star Beast. It's not in Marbly Under very much. There's, there's little bits in both of them, but you're right. Yeah. I, I like the way I like the way that this sort of avoidance, I think, mm. this avoidance behaviour that the Doctor's showing is, I think, Russell really tying what he's doing here quite closely into the Chibnall era, where I agree. obviously Jodie is really good. all about this to the degree that Yaz is... The companion Side in lines. every single Thirteenth Doctor episode, and never once finds out about the the main sort of overarching timeless child plot. Yes, I think it works really well to give him this. Yeah. Obviously, we'll talk about the bi generation in a moment, but to give the Doctor that time, I think is really perceptive and really great. Yeah, I like the idea. So obviously, we were thinking of the face thing as if. It's a big plot. It's a toy maker. Da, da, da. I actually really like the idea. Russell is basically... Because remember, the idea that Capaldi's face has come back because of the fact that he rescued Cancillus. And so yeah. he, it's like to remind him to always try and rescue people. That was a Russell mm-hmm. idea, basically, uh, that he yeah. gave to Moffat. And this is Russell. Clearly, he wants to do that again. And that's yeah. what it is. And I, I, it's obviously this close proximity to the 12th Doctor, which is the only thing I think that doesn't work about it. Because it's like, well, they've just done that. But I really mm-hmm. like the idea that the Doctor goes back to David Tennant to remind him that he does need, he needs to take a break because it's been too much. Yeah, I like that a lot as well. I was very happy that it was, that the reason wasn't a sort of crazy sci-fi reason and was a emotional reason. Yes. I think, honestly, one of my biggest issues with the giggle at the time of watching it was that this it wasn't the segue. episode I'd sort of convinced myself it was going to be in my Oh, head, really? Which was... It was yeah. exactly the episode well, I thought it was going to be. Ah, right. Well, no, I thought it was going. We we talked about this extensively. And remember, in the Netherlands, when we got that herring. Um, yes, I, I I told you my whole theory about how I thought it was going to be about the dangers of nostalgia, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And that the toy maker was bringing back. Uh, the toy maker had brought back tenant's face because of this sort of as part of this broad critique on audiences these days Mm. or you know media these days being so focused on nostalgia and just trying to recreate the best era rather than moving forward yes no russell does think it's good to bring back the best era and um also he's working he's working with disney now i don't think he could that if there's ever going to be anything disney's gonna stop him doing it'll be like (laughs) can i critique nostalgia and bringing back characters for no reason (laughs) just come back with a big rubber stamp denied (laughs) they don't they don't have that level of sign off 
but still. No. And even so, like James, if James Gunn was able to make Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is a film... I've not seen it yet, but... Which is almost... Okay, well, not to spoil it too much, but it is almost entirely about how badly he was treated by them and how much he dislikes Disney as a corporation. Yeah. Like, listen, okay, I like James Gunn, and I love DC, so I'm really looking forward to what he does, but I would point out Warner Bros. is barely a better company than Disney, and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he honestly, like, I'm sure he'll be making a movie for, like, Lionsgate in 15 years about how badly he was treated by DC. Hmm. I don't know, we'll see. The thing that differentiated it for me, I think, was that there was less action than I expected, actually. I think that... Oh, yeah. Do you think this is a good segue, actually, onto the stuff we want to talk about in the last 15 minutes? So we can talk yeah, about it relatively yeah. quickly. So basically, I feel that what they didn't make a lot of was the fact that everyone now thinks they're right. You, you need more yes, people agreed. doing Absolutely stuff. Agreed. You need to see that more outside of us. It's really a lot of little mini bottle episodes. I don't think they do enough in the toy makers realm either. Basically, there's a lot of talking and standing and not enough actual action for a TV episode. And that's why I think this episode, honestly, another this episode could have been feature length and I think it would have yeah, had, been able to add a lot I more stuff to it. Well. I want to have, like, maybe someone manages to stir up all the people and they all think they're right to attack the unit base because it's like the government and it's where they're keeping the 5g or whatever um imagine that imagine if there was a line that was like that's where the 5g is get it like that would have been really funny and really prescient and you you can have these people trying to break into the unit stronghold because then it doesn't just feel like basically a third of the episode is set on a helipad and so i think that's one thing i would change i would add more action in that way do you have any more things before we talk about the bi generation and the ball game my main other one, yes, was going to be that the idea of everyone being right is sort of thrown away a little bit. Uh, the other thing I'd add is that, um, yeah, spending a little bit more time in the toy maker's domain, like it's yes. nice, but it feels like we're sort of spending just as short a time there as we can afford. It almost to. felt like a bit of a box. Give, give the doctor a weird experience, give Donna a weird experience, yeah. and then get them to the puppet show. Exactly. Whereas, really, you yeah. want to have a few I, I like weird experiences. The way the domain looks as well, but the yes. way that. Um, Old I like the way that it Victorian. looks, but the fact that they're sort of seeing a lot of corridors and trying to sell this as a completely alien, weird place when, let's be honest with ourselves... Doesn't Donna say something have, like, what the Donna hell is this place? And I'm like, yeah. it could just be the back Donna of the shop. corridors. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no... You didn't go around the and back em- of the shop. emphasise the sort of the weird geometries of it. Also... Like, they Donna do the thing says, of, like, going through a bunch of doors and arriving at the same place. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, be more creative with it. Have them sort of appearing through ceilings and through floors. Oh, but they're, and... not, they're not even arriving at the same place because there actually are different corridors. That's the thing where Donna's like, it's like the TARDIS. And the Doctor's like, no, it's not. And then Donna's like, how is this possible? I'm like, like the TARDIS. That's really <laughs> weird that Donna's like, how could this place... Do- yeah. like, it's bigger on the inside, like the TARDIS. Doc's like, no, it's not like the TARDIS. And then Donna's like, it's bigger on the inside. That's impossible. Um, it's very that's a bit weird yeah it is a bit you're right not just have it as corridors have a Donna open the door it's just a void a void room yeah. and like all this like weird stuff also make them play some games giant snakes and yeah. ladders can you imagine some giant snakes and ladders yeah I was, which yeah, is what happens exactly. in Divided Loyalties Mousetrap where was Gaylord Lafayette and Stefan <laughs> where is Stefan where are Millennia and Rallon Justice for Stefan. Brief moment where when the doctor says, Oh, when I was young, for a beat, me, yeah. um, another mutual friend, and I imagine also a secret third member for Oh my god, is he doing divided loyalties? Where the young, yeah, like, the young I, I also doctor thought at the that. academy. I was like, 
is he going to say Millennia and Rallon? I is he going to say Millennia it. and Rallon? I didn't think they were going to say names, but I paused it to be like, no, no. And then obviously he's like, ah, oh, I was the first Doctor. And he's like, oh, okay. When I was young, I was the first. When I was young, I looked like William Hartnell. When I was young and I looked like young William Hartnell, he says. Hmm. Winking at the camera. It's all, he looks at the camera, he blows a little kiss. Everyone kisses back because it's David Tennant, you know, like. Yeah. Quick little David Tennant kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt. It's our first merch, guys. He says, <laughs> yeah. give, Dave, he says give David Tennant a quick little David Tennant kiss. I'm a picture of yeah. Christopher Eccleston we'll continue, on it. We'll continue selling that until David Tennant asks his person yeah. to stop. Yeah, but then we'll just put like a picture of Christopher Eccleston on it instead. <laughs> Eventually, you, you know what's going to happen there. Eventually, then as well, he'll we'll, do we'll an Instagram live stream. Well, I live. You know, he'll find. He can find me. I mean, as you said earlier in the episode, you can find anyone who exists anywhere That's me. in the world. So. That's me. Yeah, I can do that. Christopher Eccleston can't. Do you think that? Do you think that Eccleston can't? He's a very I talented think, man. I think Eccleston can't. I think he's too busy being visited by three ghosts: one of the past, one of the present, and one of the future. But also, there's the Marley as well. So the ghost of Marley. Yeah. Who should have just been a Labrador? What, the, the, you mean the West of the West African country? Yeah, the ghost of Mali. <laughs> just like imperialism yeah. and colonialism and are bad. Ghost. And Scrooge is like, no. And he's like, oh, <laughs> I see you're one of those. He's like, this is this is just woke reading of history. <laughs> oh my god, a modern adaptation of a Christmas Carol, but the ghosts are chucking around the word woke. Oh god. god. Oh god, it's gonna happen. Where the ghosts are like, Marley's like, you will be visited by the three ghosts. One of cancel culture. One of Twitter discourse. And the third one is just Elon Musk. <laughs> you mean, wait, you mean he's dead? He's a ghost? No. Thank god. That would be no. good, wouldn't it? Well, no, but he is the ghost of a man, isn't he? Yeah. Anyway, so you know this uh, Doctor Who episode? Doctor Who episode. Giggle. Yeah, the giggle. This is really is our, our feature length special. Shall yeah, we talk yeah. about the bi generation? Yes, let's. So we knew it was going to happen. Yes, although admittedly, I will also add that when actually watching the episode, I forgot that it was going to happen. And then when it did happen, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. that was I didn't. But knowing it was going to happen made me dislike it less because I was prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I think I remember Russell. Russell is aware this is going to annoy people. The reason he did it, right? So ten splitting into Shooty, and they're both around at the same time, is because he loves the idea of the Doctor can say hello to his future self straight away, and they can actually have yeah. a moment. That's a great idea. I think that yeah, really absolutely. works, and I think honestly, the by generation, I don't actually think it works. I think it actually almost works. I think it ha- it works far better than it has any right to. Uh, do you mind me giving yeah. my logic on that? Yeah, go for it. I, I've I've also got some thoughts on this. Actually, do you know what? Before I do that, what did you think when you saw it? Um, as in, like visually, or just the whole thing when it when it happened? What 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 what, what did you think? Well, okay. So, uh, one of the things that I actually thought when it started happening, when the regeneration started happening, you'll like this. My <laughs> my first thought was, I need to pause this immediately. Because I've got some lasagna in the oven and it needs to be taken out right now. <laughs> so I paused it. I, so I paused it. I was watching it on catch up. Had to rush through to the kitchen, served up the lasagna, served up the garlic bread, came back, then pressed play and was. Uh, then huh. it didn't. He didn't turn into a shooty. And I was like, 
oh yeah, that was going to be a thing, wasn't it? Then, yeah, watched it, and my thoughts in the moment, as well as mm, yummy vegetable lasagna that I have made, <laughs> my, my thought was, basically, I'm really, I really hope Russell does this well, was my first thought when it happened. And I think that, yeah, I mean, the one thing that Russell's always been good at is making sure that there's sort of enough emotional momentum in something to basically carry something that doesn't necessarily make sense. And the final kind of statement on it that the reason why this is happening is so the Doctor can go and have a rest for a bit and presumably at some point will then turn into Shooty. And that's what I think fixes it a lot for me. Yeah. Is it therapy out of order? He yeah. says, "Let's touch yeah. on this." Yeah, exactly. So yeah. the idea that basically, when fourteen eventually properly dies, he will basically zip, he will disappear, and he will appear yeah. as Shooty inside his earlier self. Basically, if yeah. that's the implication, exactly. and then also the implication is that the TARDIS is basically the future TARDIS. It's been smooched out yeah. of the current TARDIS, which is why there's a jukebox in it now. Mm-hmm. Honestly, love it. I actually really like it because then it doesn't. If it's a timey wimey thing, and not just a now there are two Doctors and two TARDISes. Which I appreciate from a practical perspective, there's infinite dots and infinite tardises at any given time. But yeah. it sets a bad precedent just to be like to throw stuff out. But if that's how it is, it's this timey thing. It's brilliant. It's great. It's yeah. it's it's an amazing character moment. It looks great. The fact that Shooty is now more emotionally in touch, clearly, is wonderful because it's a character it's not just like, oh, this is what his style is as the doctor. It's a character beat from a character arc that we don't even need to see from the 14th yeah. Doctor, which is ge- genius. I, it, it, it is great. Russell is so good with I character. Think, yeah, he really is. I mean, there's the possibly the slightly more uncharitable thing that you could add is that part of the reason why we don't need to see it is because we already saw it and it was called the 12th Doctor era. But Also true. But then he didn't have... The do- 12th Doctor doesn't really get to just sit and hang around with friends, though. It, it, it is... He yeah. gets, it's not about... Yeah, yeah, but that's like one one person, and then obviously he then and has Nardole. the arc of he gets being to hang out sad. with Nardole. He doesn't. He does. Nardole wasn't invited. He wasn't invited. He wasn't Nardole invited. Was the in he wasn't invited. He kept suggesting weird hmm. sex things. <laughs> Talking about his glass nipples. <laughs> he wouldn't stop. <laughs> his glass nipples. His invisible hair. Yeah, the invisible hair came from Doctor Who the fan show. It was an idea yeah. that Crystal D, I think, gave to Stephen Moffat and they put it in. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I like about the by generation is that the sort of the in-story logic why this isn't going to happen again, I think is done well uh, enough that um, specifically the line where uh, the Doctor says, oh, I thought this was just a myth. I hate that I think line, actually. We'll no, no, no. I, I like it. You because... can say, say what you like it and I'll say why I hate it. Well, because... We've just. This is just on the back of an episode where it's like, oh god, I think I might have started making myths come true with the salt and the edge of the yes. universe. Yes. So I don't mind that, but the problem is that it doesn't. There's a lot of dots we have to connect there, and it doesn't connect. The episode yeah. isn't about myths becoming true. That's the prop that needs to happen more, That's true. and then it's fiction becoming reality. And there is something for that as well. It's called the land of fiction. Yeah. I totally. I found the line, oh, this is just meant to be a myth annoying because it felt to me like an attempt to justify it in the laziest way possible whereas if they'd said i have no idea what this is we've never heard of this this isn't a thing that happens um hmm. uh, i guess i'll call it by generation that's not an attempt to justify it 
that's accepting what it is, which is Russell just pulling something yeah. out of his hat. But that that's felt true, yeah. like an attempt to justify it. That that annoyed me a little bit. Uh, whereas Super if it said it's incredibly rare as well. If it said this does happen, it's very rare. I mean, we said this before as well. Basically, it's not as narratively satisfying if it's something you've just made up and never hinted towards. And that yeah, is what this is. Yeah. So I think sort of the worst thing about the bi-generation is the fact that it solves the plot. Mm. Because the fact that it's pulled out of nowhere yeah. makes it a deus ex machina. I mean, it is... It's sort of the ultimate Deus Ex Machina, I think. In that not only does the well, Doctor not have to Russell die without a random Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, but I don't think of him in those terms. I don't think people criticise him in those terms. But this is like I think it's less of a Deus Ex Machina than uh, sorry, more of a Deus Ex Machina than uh, Last of the Time Lords. Because at least there, the satellites are set up. Um, psychic yeah. energy is a thing. The Master uses mesmerism. You know, like obviously why it makes him into flying into the Blue Man group. Jesus. You know, whatever. But yeah. it's. it's still a bit set up, whereas this is out of nowhere. The fact that they win basically because there's two of them playing a ball game is... Because there's a jump... There's one that Tennant and Shooty do, one of the throws, which requires, like, Shooty jumps on Tennant's back to get the ball. But this was like, Russell has watched Air Bud. It's... It is the ending of an American sports movie. This is the Mighty Ducks. This is, like... Ain't no no rule that says you can't buy generates. That is exactly what happened. Oh my god, he has seen Airbud. He literally has seen Airbud. This is this is yeah. Airbud. I cannot. There, there's no rule that says he can't be by generate or that the Vlinks can't play basketball. It's hmm. it, it is. Why is it a ball game? Our friend said this to me. The toy maker should be a cerebral character. You beat the toy maker with logic, like people on the internet, which actually would have hmm. made a lot of cool if you beat the toy maker by being right actually, to be fair. That would actually be quite interesting mm. thematically. Instead, they beat him by beating him in a game of catch, which is... And I appreciate maybe they wanted to make use of the big sound set, the big set, the big helipad set, but, like, it's just not very satisfying, is it? I didn't think that at the time. I've sort of come around a little bit on it, and my thinking is that part of why I think it's not so bad is that... um Basically, I think everyone that the toy maker has tried to beat beforehand has tried to sort of outwit him or beat him in a game like that. Whereas the Doctor, um, first in his in the toy room, proposes a game of just literally just sort of a random card yeah. thing, uh, where you know one of us, either one of us will win or one of us will lose, and you know it, that could well have resulted in the Doctor just winning, which in which case great. And then the game of catch, similarly the toy maker can't use his wits and use the fact that he has basically godlike intellect here. Uh, it's literally just, he is confined by the physical limitations of a game of catch, which is that you've got to catch a ball. Yeah, I, I like um, that, but it doesn't work. Again, it's it's not enough in the, ep- it's not in the episode. This is the, like, it needs to be, Yeah, to, okay. I want the doctor to be like, here's why I'm doing this, because he can't outwit me in a game of catch. Yeah. Uh, can I give you yeah. my fix for this? Which I genuinely think it might be the best Doctor Who idea I've ever come up with. Go for it. What if the Doctor's mm-hmm. turned to him and just go, rock, paper, scissors? Because as rock, long paper, as scissors, yeah. as long as long 14 and 15 never play the same one, which they could do yeah. by like contact, the toy maker can never win. I just think it's, I, not to be like toot my own horn, 
I think that would have been such a clever thing because it also makes use of them both being there, but it's also cerebral. It wouldn't have looked mm. as cool. Like I don't think you can film a five-minute yeah, scene. That is, I think, the weakness of it is <laughs> the ending your big anniversary special with a game of rock paper three scissors. actors but just I, doing rock paper scissors. But I quite rock. like I quite like that idea. I think you could really make it very dramatic and, like and to make it quite silly. The other thing that I think is a bit of a missed opportunity with the game of catch is you know they're playing this next to an enormous like two hundred foot drop or whatever. Yeah, but the toy makers no on that is side sense that anyone's going to fall off. I mean, it would be, I think, bad sportsmanship to just chuck the ball off the edge and be like, go and turn the game, catch that. <laughs> catch that. He can He could, yeah. though. He could. He can. And then he could throw it as he's didn't falling. He throw, and the did, he throw really people, did he throw people off the building? Yep. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. That's dark. I know. And, uh, <laughs> and when they hit the floor, all the people that are rioting on London are like, that's my friend Jeff. No, that's my friend Katie. And I, I'm going <laughs> to have a fight. <laughs> They're naming yeah. the organs. They're like liver. That's a spleen. F- you. That's a kidney. <laughs> <laughs> three doctors. All of them have got scalpels. Yeah, the three doctors. The three doctors. John Pertwee, Patrick Charlton, and William Hartnell, all armed with knives. That's where the cameos should have happened. Oh, absolutely. On the ground. At the ground. At the bottom. All the doctors are just looking yeah. up, like, <laughs> let us in. Um. So that's kind of my way of um tweaking that thing but actually i think the bi generation works far better i think it we expected it to it's far better than i did i will also add though that when i was i was watching this with my partner as per usual as per usual as per usual uh who uh after the end of the episode i was like what did you think and uh they really 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 did not like it the whole like, thing. There was a level of venom. There was a level of venom there that I have scarcely ever seen before in any sort of analysis of media from them. Phrases like "What kind of Rus- what kind of ego trip is Russell T Davis on?" were used as <laughs> for the end or the like, whole thing. Ju- just the end. Just the oh, okay. generation. Um, we also had uh, phrases like "This renders every single other episode completely pointless because you could just get another one." And I was like, "Well, that's so- that was sort of already <laughs> that's, true, to be honest." That's 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 that that's Doctor Who. It is all pointless. Yeah, there's never going to be oh, an yeah, episode where just... Doctor Gun shows up and shoots the Doctor in the head, and the Doctor hmm. stays dead, and then the Do- Doctor Gun takes the TARDIS and puts guns in it. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I mean, yeah, his... no, I mean, yeah, his latest incarnation as well, shoot Gatra. <laughs> Thank you. Doctor Gun was killed in that supernova, so he can never be brought back. Good because we've spent too much of this podcast. No, well, they beat about Dr. when Gun. they beat Doctor Gun in that shoot off because because Colin Baker had shown up alongside Peter Cushing's Doctor, and they were able to beat him in that, at that shooting range and banish him out of the universe forever. Obviously, yeah. they said Doctor Gun's legions were coming, but it turns out that's just like BAE systems. Yeah, <laughs> and that is the plot of Interference by Lawrence Miles. Is it? Yeah, basically. Really? Not oh, really, like, no. you, could, you could genuinely no, say no, anything really. this, and I believe no, you. Quite a lo- yeah, no, quite a lot of it is about um, the arms trade. But that is very funny that um, your partner was so annoyed by it. it. Uh, so I think different. it is, I think there is an element of Russell does very crazy, mad things, and then doesn't, basically he doesn't bother justifying the, the, the crazy yeah. stuff he does. He is quite a fan of having a cake and eating it, dramatically. Yeah. I'll tell you I what, though. Often does work, still good to watch. That, yeah, I think that this finale, if we're, if we're seeing the giggle, you know, if we're putting it in conversation with all of the other Davis-era finales, 
I think that yeah, this one isn't isn't too bad. It makes more sense than Journey's End does, which is I think the the simultaneously the biggest triumph of spe- spectacle and the biggest failure of actual you know human logic. I think these specials have vindicated the end of Journey's End a bit. I, you know, I said in Star Beast, I didn't feel like they yeah. had properly dealt with the Donna's mind wipe. I think having the Doctor be basically like a family friend. Yeah. I think does that. The Doctor has had to come into Donna's world. He hasn't removed Donna yeah, from exactly. his world. This is giving, come this is giving Donna Donna's a better world. ending, which the Star Beast wasn't. The Star Beast was just undoing The start it. of that. This is actually giving Donna a good ending. This is my favourite Russell finale, besides uh, Parting of the Ways. Okay. Yeah. I genuinely mm-hmm. prefer it to any of the other Tenant finales. I... I just think the first 45 minutes is so perfect. I do think, though, that the end of Doomsday and the end of Party of the Ways are probably the strongest two because I don't even like Doomsday very much, but it is such a gut wrench and it makes total sense. And it does come out of nowhere in a good way, you know, because you never put it... But also the whole of Army of Ghosts and Doomsday is about sort of... In some ways, it's a kind of a shell game distracting you from the fact that this is how it's going to end. Yes. In the same way that most of the end of the end of time is just sort of distracting you from the fact that Wilf is stuck in this chamber. Yes. But yeah, so the one other thing I would say, I think if it's the future TARDIS, it's fine for it to be duplicated. But I think a better character beat is to make... Because when the 14th Doctor's like, yeah, I'm showing you the TARDIS, here's how it's all going to work. I just can't leave it behind. You know, I just can't hurt too much. No! Make him make a hard choice! Yeah. What? This is why I was saying... Having his cake and eating it. Yeah, it is. I appreciate the way he's kind of... If the bi-generation is this timey-wimey thing, that literally doesn't work. But if it isn't, and it is just dev split, that is is a really good character beat that justifies the bi-generation. It's him making the choice to have a break from adventure for a moment and sort of, you know, putting this to one side and giving himself the space to actually focus on just staying in one place and healing. Okay, so, that, all that being said, Shooty Gatois as the Doctor. Ooh. Uh, yeah. He's very Amazing. good, isn't he? The first, I wasn't yeah, sure, yeah. from the first, from the first like, minute, actually. I don't know, because initially I wasn't that great on the, like, super emotionally engaged. But, yeah. almost immediately, actually, I better say, the bit we talked about, a line that Russell should have cut. When, when Donna says, you come in multiple colours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, come on. Ah, Russell, what? <laughs> Russell, what there's nothing that? There's nothing to say. It's a baffling line. Not funny. Yeah. Doesn't seem to me like yeah. something Donna would actually say. No, why is it there? Is Russell trying to just sort of make a clear statement of, oh yes, the Doctor can regenerate across ethnicities? You don't need you don't to do need that. To. He's we just can done see it. That. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mel is just... trying to say, no, this isn't just a bi-generation thing. This is a normal thing. No, nobody needs that level of explanation. People who are going to dislike it online will just do so for their own weird racist reasons. And Mel has just said how beautiful she thinks Shooty Gatwa looks. And yes, Mel calling him beautiful is so lovely. And I love when Tennant's like, still beautiful? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. Because that man is an attractive man. And I love Shooty Gatwa and David Tennant are wearing half of each other's clothes. And he is in pants just pants yep. for the rest of the entire episode. It's amazing. 
Oh, I greatly enjoyed that. So good. I also greatly enjoyed the fact that literally nobody comments on it. Everyone no one like, mentions right. it. I, I really like. I really like to think that uh, while all of that is going on, Kate's being like, "Okay, so this isn't going to be his new costume, is it?" Kate. Because I don't think people at unit will be able to handle that. Kate's like, "Can you get me some trousers up here, please?" <laughs> Stats. Kate's, Kate's summoning trousers also means if you think about it this way, David Tennant is not wearing pants yep. for the rest of the he episode. Uh, and yep. also, we get to see what the Doctor's pants look like, which I don't think we've ever seen before. So, well, yeah, I mean, this is yeah, it's not the question marks as we were told in Zygon Inversion yeah. uh, would be the case. Disgusting. Doctor Who is dead. Hmm. <laughs> um, that being said, so Shuji Gatois is going to be so good. He just brings yeah. such energy to the role and it's so different. And once I've settled into it, the fact that we're not really doing that, I'm confused post-regeneration and he's much more emotionally in touch, it, it just works incredibly well. It does. There's a couple of things that I think work really, really well. One of them is the conceit of having the past Doctor and the new Doctor present at the same time is a brilliant one and works incredibly well. The, the two of them play off each other very well. And watching him comfort um, him, right? Like, yeah, g- he he is able to give the 14th Doctor what the 14th Doctor needs at that moment because he's yeah. already had it from when he was this the 14th Doctor somehow. It, yeah. It's it's lovely to see to see the Doctor just give him that, give himself that, yeah, and show himself that yeah. love for a character that's, especially in the 14th incarnation, I think. Not like it's not played up a lot, but there's a lot of self-loathing there, and this is the this is yeah. the forgiving of that. Yeah, definitely, and which I think is sort of carrying over from the second half of Thirteen's era as well, where she's mm. feeling increasingly bad about herself. Yes, Shuji Gatwa's just got an incredible energy. He looks like a doctor. His theme is amazing. I love his theme. It is great. Yeah. Still mixed a bit too loudly, I think, for the dialogue. But still, besides that, it's just brilliant. He's just got the energy and he's got the comedy and he's just delivering. You know, we knew he was going to be good. Everyone said he's going to be so good. But it feels for the first time since, well, since Jodie, really. But Jodie then, I don't think her character was developed as much as, she, you know, she she should have been given more stuff to chew on, basically, because Jodie Whittaker is a yeah. very, very talented actress. But with, with Shooty... Yeah immediately it feels like we've got a Doctor character, a new version of the Doctor, a new way of doing the Doctor, a new way of playing the Doctor, which yeah. I think the strongest time I've recognised that actually is Matt Smith. I know Capaldi yes, did stuff, exactly, but yeah. Matt Smith just... Yeah, well, yeah, Capaldi's approach is more of a slow burn. Yeah, Matt Smith immediately. Sort of fully full, by the end of, yeah, almost by the by end, end of, of 11th hour, yeah. scene. But yeah, by the end of the 11th hour, it's... his entire character is there. And that's what I got from shooting. There's something that something I really really loved about him in the giggle here is uh, his final his final scene the sort of the kind of the zest for life and adventure yeah. is really <laughs> He's really basically like piss off get out of my TARDIS I'm not waiting goodbye yeah. <laughs> go away I'm gonna go and have fun adventures yeah. now yeah because as far as he's concerned he's spent like probably like four years or something with with Donna really four years. and Mel. Well, yeah, because I'm, I'm picturing... Do you think that, he's just sort of like trips over a brick in four that years? Is exact, that is exactly what I was going to say, yes. I think Donna yeah. is doing DIY and she's throwing a brick around, take, miming what she's going to do to Neris when David Tennant walks hmm. through the door and she bashes him on the on the head like Colin Baker hitting the TARDIS console 
and he yeah. immediately disappears in a flash <laughs> of yellow. And they're like, <laughs> it's just gone. <laughs> Eventually, uh, somebody's like, so I guess, I guess that was him regenerating. <laughs> one. A pile of clothes is on the floor, and it turns back yeah. into the Jodie Whittaker clothes, and then Donna wears it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the character. Do you think Donna's actually going to get a job with Unit, and she's going to get paid sixty grand a year? Uh, I think it, I think that fully depends on how many no, people decide to do. Kate offers a sixty grand, a solid salary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred twenty thousand, pretty good. I know. I've got, I've got mates that earn what she, what Kate's offer was. So they should have bargained. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice, Why wouldn't it? A- Why am I in academia? It's all right. This podcast will go really big soon. Uh, one, yeah, one day. My goal is to make about how much? About hundred pounds a year, so that I can <laughs> pay for the hosting with the podcast. And my goal is to my goal is to make approximately twenty thousand pounds a year of one hundred of which I will provide to David. Oh, this is a not for profit podcast. That's what I want to be. I want to be like an NGO. Hmm. I want to be recognised like Flora and Fauna International are here. They're saving the animals. Always foolish are here. They exist to fight um, bad internet discourse. Open brackets <laughs> specifically about Doctor Who, but don't mention that. Close brackets. Sometimes they branch out into Taskmaster as well. Yeah, or into bizarre long... They talk about something called Big Finish. You're never quite sure what it is, and we're scared to Google it. They've got this whole bit about Dr. Gunn. Dr. Gunn. Gun. Is, is that a thing? Well, no, but next to us is, like, an anti-arms charity who hate yeah. our Dr. Gunn bit. <laughs> they hate it. it. But we, we just can't... Dr. Gunn is too integral to the show, you know? It's like, yeah, without, grand, without Dr. Gunn, Gun, what even... What even is what always foolish? Either way, and I on think, that note, <laughs> on that note, goodbye. Uh, no, we we do want to wind down now, but I think it is important to say that, like, Shooty is so is the Doctor. Russell lists all those references: Legopolis, Adric. Hilariously, in the leaks, the leaks say that they talk about Captain Jack. Everything else in the <laughs> leaks was right. So that's interesting, isn't it? Very much says to me yeah. that someone got hold of an early draft of a script. Yeah. Which, and yeah, yeah, not the shooting me. script. I mean, they mentioned so many other people in that, to be fair. They mentioned Mavic Chen, for God's sake. Oh, right. That, that, okay, right. So Mavic Chen, that's a pretty culturally insensitive costume, isn't it? Am I right? It is a bit, yeah. Mavic this... Chen is such a bizarre one to reference. It does genuinely make me think, oh, we're going to get some Daleks Master Plan era stuff. Because that is actually a really fascinating yeah. era of the show. With all these really different Galactic is, yeah. Alliance. And Big Finish, again, have done quite a lot with that. They even did... So Doomsday, one of Doomsday audios was set during that. Yep. Almost cried. Mm-hmm. It, I don't cry a lot. I was then pointed out to by a friend. You keep saying you almost cry at loads of stuff. And it's like, you know, I only talk about the stuff I almost cry in. Yeah. And also, hilariously, people, some people thought uh, Doom was going to be in the giggle. Because mm-hmm. she says right. in the book, I once did a job just for a giggle. <laughs> Doctor Who fans. Doctor Who fans. Either way... We are Doctor Who fans, David. Yes, and we're incredibly frustrating, as demonstrated by the fact that... But we didn't talk about the giggle for about 40 minutes in this. So that is our bumper episode, kind of talking really about the whole of the 16th anniversary celebrations and also looking at the giggle. It's fair to say I think we both think that 
it's been a pretty good success. Obviously, bits we don't like, but I think so. Yeah, this is. It feels I don't think, like I don't think had a shot this was arm. a perfect run of three episodes. No, I think it was a very good run of three episodes, yes. and I think it's an excellent bridge between what's come before and hopefully what is yes. coming next. And Russell has absolutely confirmed and demonstrated the next series isn't a reboot; it is still Doctor Who, and that's that's all we needed. Because yeah. as long as as long as no one ever fully reboots Doctor Who. Doctor Who could always keep going. Whether you like a series yeah. or not, the next series might you be You can always just come back to it. Even within an era. Series 8 versus Series 10. Series 11 versus Series 13. These things are are totally different in tone. Yeah. And, Absolutely, yeah. And Russell has kept that. And I don't know why we doubted him. I think we were scared. We're always scared when change yeah. happens. I mean, the idea of bringing something back is... You know, always worrying. Russell coming back with Tennant and Catherine Tate and all of the old gang. Yes. You know, on the face of it is the sort of thing that could have gone very, very wrong. Yes. But I think it didn't. I think it was done in one of the best ways it could have been. And now, with all of that tied up, we can now properly look towards the future, I think. With that being said, we hope you really enjoyed this long bumper episode of Always Foolish. We will be back uh, in a couple weeks with... Daleks in Manhattan, and then also we'll be covering the Christmas episode. We will. That all being said, please follow us on Instagram. Please follow us on the Evil Bird app. We're not on there very much, but please follow us on uh, the Indian version of Amazon, where you can buy Amazon, where you can buy episodes Amazon for zero rupees. Uh, You can follow us Mm -hmm. on Google Podcasts. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts. Please like. Please rate the show if you enjoy this show. Seriously, a five star rating on iTunes does really help. Please share it with your friends. Just say it's a fun Doctor Who podcast. They're not. They go off on weird tangents. We're it desperate. takes very, very Alabama. little work. You don't even need to think too hard about what you we're what? saying. In fact, we encourage it. You don't even need to listen. Just just put it on in the background. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spotify as well. But yeah, what are your thoughts on the Giggle and the new Russell era? Please um, send yeah, us, us your thoughts us on know. Instagram, which I do check. By next time you hear us, it'll have probably been Christmas. So have a wonderful <laughs> Christmas, everyone. And a happy new year. Happy new year and happy new series. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.